to uh, talk to you guys today, and I want to thank you guys for joining us uh, in our worship experience. Um, I know I'm sideways here, uh, but y'all pray for me. I'm working it out. Uh, just wanted to talk with you guys just to uh, go over the word on today. Uh, we are walking through the book of 1 Corinthians, um, and I want to thank everyone for joining us um, in our worship experience. Uh, um, so we're, we're here, Romans, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, and ask everyone if you can uh, to turn there with me. Uh, while you're turning there, we're going to go into the word of prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity for us to come together, Lord, and to uh, gather in your name, God, to give you all the praise, honor, and glory, Lord. Uh, we ask, God, that you open up our hearts, open our minds, God. Allow us, God, to see the word, God, as you have seen fit for it to be revealed uh, through your holy scriptures, God. We ask, God, that you touch us during this trying time, God, that you keep us, God, uh, that you help us, God, through this pandemic, God, that you give us the wisdom and the strength, uh, the understanding to, uh, to just know what's going on uh, in this season. Uh, Father, we ask, God, uh, that you touch those that are sick in this season. Uh, we pray, God, for your healing power, God. We ask, God, that you do what only you can do in this season, Lord. We thank you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God, guys. We're, we're in the book of 1 Corinthians, the eighth chapter. Uh, we're going to start at the first verse. I'm going to read it in its entirety. Uh, then we're going to just uh, talk through the scriptures on today, if that's all right. Uh, here in uh, Rome, 1 Corinthians, I keep saying Romans, uh, the eighth chapter, it says, Now about food, sacrifice to idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone thinks he knows anything, he does not know yet. He does not yet know it as he ought to know it. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. About eating food, sacrifice to idols, then we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods, and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father. All things are from him, and we exist for him. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things are through him, and we exist through him. However, not everyone has this knowledge. Some have been so used to idolatry up until now, when they eat food, sacrificed to an idol, their conscience being weak is devoured. Food will not bring us close to God. We are not worse off if we don't eat. And we are better if we do eat. We are not better if we do eat. But be careful that this right of yours is in no way become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, the one who has knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, won't his weak conscience be encouraged to eat food offered to idols? So the weak person, the brother or the sister for whom Christ died is ruined by your knowledge. Now, when you sin like this against brothers and sisters and wound their weak conscience, you are sinning against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother or sister to fail, I will never eat meat. I would never again eat meat so that I will cause my brother or sister to fail. The title of this message is Gray Lines. Gray Lines. 
those of us that have been Christians and have been in church for a while, uh, we understand um, that there are some things uh, that we can't necessarily find answers for uh, in regards to our Christian conduct in the Bible. Uh, there are certain gray lines that have caused controversies and divisions amongst the church uh, because some folks uh, disagree with how uh, people handle certain things in regards to their Christian walk in God. Uh, doesn't make them any less or any more saved, uh, but somewhere along the line, we've created rules and regulations that we think that other people should apply to and abide by uh, that's not necessarily in the scriptures. Uh, I'll give you just a few examples. One example is, uh, should women wear makeup? Another example is, uh, should we play sports on Sunday? I mean, the Bible does say that we're supposed to keep the Sabbath, uh, but uh, if we're going to get technical, uh, the Sabbath is Saturday. Uh, so uh, we want to make the argument over playing sports on Sunday. Uh, we can't use the Sabbath argument because we would have to say that you're not supposed to play sports on Saturday. Uh, another argument is, are we supposed to listen to secular music? Uh, another uh, issue is, I'm at a wedding, and uh, they're, they're pouring little glasses of wines to the people uh, so that they can, uh, you know, congratulate uh, the, the new bride and groom. Uh, and we see this going on, uh, and now there's a conviction on whether or not I'm supposed to sip this wine. So these are some of the gray lines that go on in the church where we don't necessarily have answers uh, to abide by in the scriptures, but people want answers for. So I came up with a few questions, and you guys can write these down, uh, that you can ask yourself uh, whenever you find yourself going through gray lines in the scriptures or gray lines regarding your conduct. Number one is, do I need it? Uh, is this thing... Uh, that I'm holding on to? Is this a necessity for my life? Is, there, is this something that I need? Uh, the second question that we have to ask is, is it useful? Uh, if I have this question regarding something uh, and I'm wondering whether or not uh, it's in line with the word of God, one of the questions that I want to ask myself is, is it useful? Uh, number three, uh, is this something that Jesus would do? Uh, is this something uh, that if I do, uh, Christ would be okay with? Not only would Christ be okay with, but if I went through the scriptures, is this something that Christ would possibly do? Another question that we would have to ask is, uh, is it going to enhance my evangelism towards someone? And we're going to go into 1 Corinthians, the eighth chapter, in a few minutes, and we're going to see uh, that there are some times that we can be offensive in our evangelism uh, because we don't have the proper sensitivity with dealing with people. Uh, so the question that we have to ask ourselves here is, is this thing that I'm dealing with, this gray line, this blur area that I don't have biblical answers for uh, per se, is this something that is going to offend someone if I evangelize to them? I think that's a great point. Uh, and the last, the last question, I, or the fourth question I have to ask, or fifth question is, will this make me stronger in Christ? Uh, is this thing that I'm doing, uh, is it making me stronger in my faith? Is it giving me stronger understanding in my journey with God? Or is this just something that I'm doing? And finally, the last question is, uh, will this be a good example to an unbeliever? 
Now, some of you are saying, why in the world do you have all these questions? I want you to keep those six questions in mind because these are questions that you should ask yourself when you find yourself in gray areas uh, on whether or not you should do something or whether or not it would be offensive to God or whether or not it would be offensive to man. Uh, one thing that I want to draw to your attention again is that there are some of us uh, that are at a different place in our life where certain things are not offensive, uh, but for the sake of evangelism and for the sake of our brothers and sisters who may be weak in that area, we want to make sure that we're in the position and we don't put them in a place to where their faith will become weak. And we're going to get to that in just a couple minutes. So the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, the eighth chapter, the Church of Corinth has this issue uh, because the, the Corinthian church is struggling uh, because uh, everyone is eating meat uh, that comes from idols. Now, my first question that I ask you is, do we need it? Uh, and the first answer that I have to give you is, uh, of course, you have to eat. Uh, so the Corinthian church is sitting here, uh, and they're struggling with whether or not they should eat the meat of Corinth, uh, because in most cases, all of the meat at one point or another had been sacrificed to idols. Uh, let me give you just a quick history lesson real quick. Uh, the Corinthians, uh, the people of Athens and the people of Rome, uh, they had gods for everything. They had a god for the sun. They had a god for the moon. They had a god for the solar system. They had a god for fertility. They had a god for uh, 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 the, the land. They had a god for everything that you could think of, and every god required a sacrifice. Uh, so what they actually believed was that there were spirits and animals, and before they would eat of an animal, they wanted to make sure that the food was blessed and that the spirit that possibly would be in that animal wouldn't contaminate their soul. Uh, so their food would go through a process. Uh, the first process that they would go through is they would offer this food, uh, this food up to the high priest. Uh, the high priest would then uh, take this offering that the person presented to the priest and he would bring it to the altar. Uh, the priest would then burn the sacrifice at the altar. He would leave a portion of the burnt portion of, of that offering at the altar, but then he would take a portion for himself. Uh, if it was a portion that he didn't want, then he would give it to the local butcher or to the local store. And then the common people would go through the town or through the city of Corinth, and they would eat meat that was initially offered up to strange gods. So there's a conviction in Corinth because they're now asking, now that I'm free in Christ, now that I have accepted Jesus as my personal Savior, should I put something inside of my body that is going to defile me because it has been offered up to a strange God? Uh, so it was impossible for you to live in Corinth and eat meat that at one point was not offered to a God or to some type of idolatry. So there's a conviction that's going on in Corinth. Uh, the question that they ask is, should we eat food that has been sacrificed to idols? So now we go back to verses one through three, and Paul says, now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we have all knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone thinks he knows anything, he does not yet know it as he ought to know it. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. So here in verses 1 through 3, the thing that Paul is trying to bring to our attention here is that knowledge and love work uh, uh, synonymously. They work together. You cannot just have the knowledge of God, but you have to have the love of God. Uh, this is good. I'm, I'm going to repeat that. You cannot just have the knowledge of God, 
but you also must have the love of God. Uh, I wish somebody could put that in the comment section. Uh, you just cannot have the knowledge of God, but you also must have the love of God. And what Paul is saying here is we cannot get so caught up in our knowledge that we don't have love. These two things work together. Watch this, because if all you have is the knowledge of God, but you don't have the love of God, then it makes you puffed up, as Paul talks about here, as arrogant. Uh, one thing that I had to catch myself with in the last uh, few years uh, is that uh, I've become uh, so mental in the scriptures and looking through the scriptures and trying to articulate the scriptures that uh, my worship experience was lacking. Uh, and one thing about it is you can become very book smart in the Bible, but if you don't have relationship, there's a lack in that area. Uh, and vice versa. Uh, you can have so much love, but if you don't have knowledge, uh, then there's an issue. Uh, we all love God, but we can't just run based off of the love of God. We have to know God. Uh, so if you have a bunch of love, but you have no knowledge, now that leaves you into the place to where you can be taken advantage of because you can be placed in a vulnerable or a vulnerable place. So Paul shares with us here in this text that there are some folks who have the knowledge of God and they're puffed up. Uh, they're arrogant. They're throwing scriptures at people, but everybody's not at the level that you're at. Uh, so Paul says what we have to understand is we have to have unity between love of God and the knowledge of God whenever we're dealing with the people of God. Uh, because when you have the love of God, there's a certain grace that you'll bestow upon your brother and sister when you see them. Uh, you're not quick to judge when you have the love of God. You're not quick to criticize when you have the love of God. But when you have the love of God, you're able to come to where they are. And then when you come to where they are, you're now supposed to open up to the knowledge of God. So Paul says here that we have some folks that know the knowledge of God, but they don't have the love of God. And they're walking past people not understanding that these people are struggling in their flesh and struggling with eating this food because this food will give them a flashback of where they've been delivered from. I'm going to say this real quickly. Some of us have been delivered from some things. And because God has delivered us from certain portions of our life, there are certain things that we don't play with. It's not that it's unlawful, but because God has delivered me from it, I don't want to go back to it. Uh, so what I do is I stay away and I shun the appearance of that thing because that is my struggle. Uh, now, there's somebody on the other side who doesn't struggle in that area. Uh, but for the fact or for the love of that brother or for that sister, if you know that their weakness is there, then you should, out of the love of God, prevent from putting them in a situation where they could possibly fall. Uh, so Paul is saying we not only should have the knowledge of God, but we also should have the love of God and the love of God to the point to where I see my brother or sister in a weak place. I don't put them in a compromising position to where they can backslide. Uh, because Paul's going to visit us at the end of this chapter and share with us how we're going to be accountable for allowing people to fall through stumbling blocks when we had the knowledge and the love, or we should have had the love to prevent them from backsliding or going back when we were around them or they were in our midst. So now we go to the fourth verse, and in the fourth verse it says, about eating food sacrificed to idols. Then we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and there is no God but one God. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, all things from him, 
and we exist for him, and there is one Lord Jesus Christ, all things are through him, and we exist through him. Uh, Paul reiterates here in verses 4 through 6 uh, that idols have no power, no authority, or ability to curse us. Uh, we are covered by the blood of Jesus. Uh, so what he is saying here is because you're in a position uh, that you can't help but to eat meat that has one point been a sacrifice to idols, you have to understand that your God is above that idol. And because you are covered in the blood, those things cannot defile you once you bless it and you, you take it into your body. Uh, so what we have, and we even have it in this modern day time, uh, where there are people uh, who give the enemy too much credit. Uh, we give Satan too much credit in our lives, and I'm not downplaying demonic warfare and spiritual things, uh, but some things you have to understand that you have authority in Christ, and those things cannot affect you. Uh, so uh, we live in a time now where uh, everything is genetically modified. Uh, we live in a time now where uh, everything uh, has been pesticide and shot up and steroid injected. Uh, and, and if you go to your average supermarket, uh, the chicken wings about three times size, three times larger than they were, uh, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, because uh, we're injecting all types of chemicals and there's nothing that we can do about that. Uh, but one thing we understand is that we are saved and we're sanctified. Now, we also need to have wisdom and understand that there are certain things we don't need to put in our body, but we need to understand that our soul cannot be corrupted by the things of this world when we are protected by Jesus Christ. Uh, I need somebody to text somebody or tell somebody, I'm protected, I'm protected, I'm protected. Uh, so Paul wants to reiterate in verses 4 through 6 that we serve one God, that our God is the God over all things, and we ain't worried about some God over some meat or something that has been sacrificed to some priest. We serve a God that is above all of that, and if God is in us, then those things cannot destroy us. Uh, so now we go down to the seventh verse, and he says, however, not everyone has this knowledge. Some have been so used to idolatry up to now that when they eat food sacrificed to an idol, their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Uh, some new believers, uh, they still had some reservations uh, about the food that they ate from idols. And I just talked about this. Uh, there are some, new, they, they were new converts who had just been delivered uh, from paganism. And when they ate from the food of idols, uh, it triggered them and reminded them of what they had been delivered from. So they didn't want to eat it. Now watch this. That was not to be a doctrine in the church. That was their personal conviction. Uh, so Paul now looks at them and he recognizes that they're not as strong as you brothers are. And because of that, we're not going to now uh, uh, shake up their faith uh, and make them question uh, their salvation, but we're going to meet them where they are. So if meat offends them, then what we're going to do when we're around them is we're going to abstain from meat, from meat as well so that those men will begin to grow in their faith. <laughs> How many of us can sacrifice what we love so that we can be a, a, a help uh, with someone else while they're going through their journey. And what we find sometimes is we're too selfish to give up 
uh, some things. So therefore, rather than witnessing to someone that might be weak there, we just avoid them because we don't want to give up certain possessions in our lives. Uh, so uh, there are some folks that God has delivered uh, from certain type of music. Uh, there there's certain songs uh, that give them memories. There's, there's a certain time in their life where that song triggers them. Uh, and because that triggers them and because it's a reminder of where God delivered them from, they don't want to go back. Now, we're not going to sit here and make fun of them. We're not going to sit here and judge them. But what we're going to do is we're going to pray for them and we're going to avoid that so that they don't go back into the sin that God has delivered them from. Uh, there are some folks who can't handle a glass of wine. Uh, so when, when the wine is being passed out, they're going to say no, uh, not because it's not in the Bible, not because I'm, I'm, I'm super saved, not that I'm more delivered than you, uh, but that is something that I've struggled with. And because I've struggled with it, I'm not going to mess with it because I want to stay safe. Uh, there are some folks that can't watch certain things on television. Uh, so when certain things come on television, it triggers them. So they need to change the channel. Now, when they come to your house, and you know that that's their weakness, uh, we don't need to be struggling with what's on the television. If this is what's going to keep my brother or my sister safe, I'm going to cut the radio off, I'm going to cut the television off, and I'm going to put them in a position to where they can grow in faith, and I'm not going to supersede where I'm at in my faith and push it on them, but I'm going to allow them to live where they are, pray for them, and say, okay, if this is your weakness, then I'm going to avoid it as well so that God can do the work in you. Now, what we have had over time is we have had people who have developed certain laws based off of their weakness. So they create doctrines and they create uh, uh, laws and they create rules and regulations for their churches and for the certain people and for certain sects because they're saying this is a struggle that I have Therefore, nobody can do it. So now you have generations of people who are adhering to things that they think are biblical principles, but they're not necessarily biblical principles. This is something that someone struggled with, and because they struggle with it, they put it on everybody else. There is a certain liberty in Christ. Now, uh, we have to understand that when we have liberty in Christ, it doesn't mean that we go back to set it. It doesn't mean that we go back to the things that we do, but what it also means is that we're not confined to uh, the rituals of legalism, but we walk in Christ. Now, I, I want to be clear because I don't want people to even think for a moment that I'm giving you a license to sin. I'm not telling you that uh, because the two commandments that Jesus gave us is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, and all thy soul, but he also taught us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And when you know that there are certain things that are affecting your body and certain things that are not good for you, even if they are lawful, you should prevent there are certain drugs, there are certain things uh, that are out here that are free for us to take part in, but you know it's not good for your body. So now that you know the knowledge of God, you should avoid those things. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we, we don't want to get to a place to where we become so legalistic that we create rules uh, that are not biblical. And then you got a whole bunch of folks walking around being junior U's, uh, but that's not, and that's not what God had called them to be. Uh, so now we're in verses 8 moving quick today, guys. Uh, verse 8 says here, <clears throat> food will not bring us close to God. We are not worse off if we don't eat. We are not better if we do not eat. But be careful that this right of yours in no way becomes a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, the one who has knowledge, dining in an idol's temple 
Won't his weak conscience be encouraged to eat food offered to idols? So the weak person, the brother or the sister for whom Christ died is ruined by your knowledge. Now, when you sin like this against brothers and sisters and found their weak conscience, you are sinning against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother or sister to fall, I will never again eat meat so that I will not cause my brother or sister to fail. We will be held accountable if we place our brothers and sisters in areas that we know that they're struggling with and we don't witness, minister, and help them to avoid that. There are certain areas that we are strong in, but everyone is not strong in that area. There are certain areas that uh, God has given us uh, the strength to handle. Uh, but there are some folks that God has delivered and they can't go back to that. And what we need to understand, church, is that we have to have unity. And we have to understand that all of us have different journeys in life, but we need to meet each other where we are so that God can do the complete work in each other's lives. Uh, I want to go back to those eight, those, those questions regards to, regarding to the gray lines. And I want you to ask yourself uh, this week, uh, when you find yourself in gray areas, I want you to ask yourself again these questions. Do I need it? Do you need to do those things? Is there any type of necessity of you doing certain things that you're struggling with? Well, I don't see anything in the Bible that says I can't do it, but do you need it? Well, well, you know, I, I, I really enjoy it, but do you need it? Because some things, like I said, can be lawful, but some things are not good for you. The second question that I want you to ask again is, is it useful? What good is this thing for your body? What good is this thing for your soul? What good is it for the edification of yourself? Do you really need that? And that, that can be subjective because we all have certain areas in our life. Do you really need it? Is it... Is it useful? What good is it doing for your body? What good is it doing for your mind? And if it's not useful, then I think you know the question or the answer to that question. Number three, is this something that Jesus would do? Hmm. Is this something that Jesus would do? And is it something that he would be proud of seeing you doing? Number four, Will this make me stronger in Christ? Is this thing something that is going to help build my spiritual relationship with God? Is this something that is building my faith? Is this something that is making me better? Is this something that is allowing me to grow and, and become a better Christian, a better father, or a better mother? What good is it for you? Next one. Does it exalt the Lord? Is there any glory in this thing that you're doing? And number five, will this be a good example? I'm sorry, number six, will this be a good example to an unbeliever? 
will this be a good example to an um, believer? If they're struggling and you're doing, how are you going to help them? So my prayer today is for those of us uh, that are, are weak in certain areas, uh, I, I pray that we continue to do whatever is necessary for us to remain safe. <laughs> and I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to feel uh, less than uh, because there are certain things that you can't go back to. And there are certain things that you struggle with and you don't even want to be around. It. I pray that God gives you the strength uh, to endure and that he continues to build your faith. And for those of you that say, I am completely liberated, you know, uh, completely, I, I have complete liberty in Christ. I pray for you as well, that you have balance and that you're not going over the hill and messing with slippery slopes and crossing the lines and, and moving into areas that uh, can, can get you into a danger zone. Because sometimes our liberty in Christ can take us into places uh, that, that are dangerous. Uh, not our liberty in Christ. And I'm not blaming Christ. I'm talking to us. We'll say that we're free in Christ. And we'll find ourselves going somewhere that is beyond. No. We want to live a righteous and a holy life that is pleasing to God. And the question that you want to ask are those six questions. And if those six questions you can answer or those six questions you have struggled, then you know whether or not you need to cross certain boundaries in your life. Uh, this was a very simple message. Um, <laughs> that's all I have for chapter eight today. We went through chapters uh, six and seven on, on Wednesday night. Um, there were so many layers there, <laughs> so many layers. Um, and we're definitely going to revisit uh, chapter six and chapter seven uh, for those of you that may have missed Bible study. Uh, but on today, I, I want to pray for everyone on the line. I want to pray for those of you um, that, that are just struggling in, in whatever area on today. Uh, some of your faith is struggling right now. Some of you are struggling, um, you know, with your body, with your health. Uh, and I just want to pray for you right now. Uh, and I want to pray that God continues to strengthen us through this season. Um, right now, I'm sure many of you see uh, they're opening the doors of the churches. Uh, they're opening stores. Uh, they're doing all of these things. And meanwhile, people are still getting sick. People are still dying. Uh, and people are now using the economy over uh, wisdom. They're, they're looking at how they can get money over people's health. And we're living in a dangerous time right now where people are more concerned about their bottom line and the money in their pocket uh, than someone uh, that is acceptable to this virus. So uh, we want to pray for those of the, those that are struggling with the coronavirus and those uh, that may have been exposed in this week. God, we ask, Lord, for your healing power, God. We ask, God, that you protect your people. We ask, God, that you strengthen them right now, God. God, on today, God, I ask, Lord, that you touch us, God, through this word in chapter 8, God. Uh, some of us uh, we don't want to go back. And God, we have made certain sacrifices in our lives, God, to prevent going back to where you delivered us from, God. We ask God that you continue to strengthen us, God. God, continue, God, allow us, God, to steer away, God, from those things that we know are not good for us, God. For God, we want to be with you, God. We want to sup with you, God. We want communion with you, God. We ask Lord that you continue to protect us and to keep us, God. Touch the whole Haven family on today, God. Strengthen us in this season, God. Give us insight, revelation, God. God, allow us, God, to see our way through uh, this, this, this pandemic, God. Give us all of the wisdom that we need, God, before we gather together as saints in the church again, God. 
And God, we ask, Lord, that you continue, Lord, to touch each one that is sick, that is down, that is shut in, God. Touch those that are grieving, God. We ask, Lord, that you comfort them right now, God. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. And once again, we want to thank you guys for joining us on today. Uh, thank you for bearing with me. Um, I know my screen was sideways. Um, I'm, I'm not the best technological person, so uh, I'll, I'll make sure that we'll be tighter next week. <laughs> God bless you all, and I will see you soon, and may heaven smile upon you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you all again. Thank you all so very much for logging in on today um, to hear that awesome word from our Pastor Joel. Um, we do, again, um, you know, thank you for coming out. Any visitors that we have, welcome again to Hope Haven. We hope to see you again. And at this time, we're going to prepare to give um, with tithes and offerings. And we actually do online giving um, through the Givelify app. Or you can actually go to www.go the number two hopehaven.org. And let us not forget that we have our Sunday services at 11 a.m. every Sunday, Monday night prayer at 7 p.m. And we also will be having our Wednesday night Bible study at 7:30 p.m. Also, all three of those are on our Zoom app. And please feel free to follow us either on Instagram, Facebook, or again, go to our website at www.go2hopehaven.org. Thank you all again so very much. We want to say goodbye. Enjoy your week and may God continue to smile upon you and keep you safe. We love you all. God bless.